I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. song so much I almost didn't stop it. I almost played it all the way through and then played it again. That of course is the music of live featuring my guest today on the program, Ed Kowalczyk. Let me tell you a little bit about live and Ed Kowalczyk. Okay look, the 90s were filled with some pretty intense characters. That is true. There's a lot to choose from but two of my favorites were tennis player Andre Agassi and Live's Ed Kowalczyk. Two very different guys, I know, but I always thought they kind of looked alike, so one always reminds me of the other. So yeah, a tennis player and the singer for a rock band don't have too much in common on the face of it, but the one thing Agassi and Kowalczyk do have in common is this. They both devoured the 90s. Agassi won five of his eight Grand Slam titles in the 90s, while Live sold the bulk of their 20 million albums the very same decade. Another thing that Agassi and Kowalczyk had in common was they were both super intense. They rarely smiled, they were always mid-brood, and they both seemed to be occupying a space where only the ferocious could survive. So yes, there were definitely some similarities between the two men, but there was also one big difference. Andre Agassi's intensity was something he found after almost squandering his talent away in a blur of acid wash shorts, incessant partying, and an almost blinding lack of discipline. Almost losing it all made him find something in himself he had never tapped into. Maybe he had never even known it had existed. On the other hand, Kowalczyk was always intense. Raised on R.E.M. and the Smiths in York, Pennsylvania, Kowalczyk had a smoldering gravity that he seemed to be born with. So, not a lot of grins from Kowalczyk, but it turns out that seriousness sells. And it sells well. By the time the band of high school friends came into public consciousness with their 1991 EP, Four Songs, Live had been together almost seven years, and they were well beyond battle-ready. 
Cut to 2019, and with close to 10 albums under their musical belts, Live have had a fairly massive career. They've sold millions of records. They've had number one singles from the U.S. to Australia. They've played Woodstock, Womad, and Coachella, and they remain one of the most beloved and artistically vital bands around. Now, Kowalczyk left Live in 2009, but he came back in 2016. The band just released their new EP, Local 717, and it's a startling return to form. Crisp with catchy hooks, musical muscle, and vintage velocity, live have never sounded better. To celebrate the 25th anniversary of their album Throwing Copper, live is touring this summer with Bush and Our Lady Peace, and it's a show I wouldn't miss. In this interview, Ed tells me he's actually mellowed out a little bit, so who knows? You might even see him smile. Enjoy my conversation with Ed Kowalczyk of Live, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Our, our scruffy years were, were there. They were just, we were 13 and 14 and 15 and tucked away in a little town in Pennsylvania called York with, um, <laughs> you know, in a, in a garage working it out um, for a long time. And um, before, of course, you know, the first EP came out, I believe in now, I was like barely 21. I remember we did some shows where I couldn't get in. I, I could only go and play the show and we had to come out because there were bars. Yeah, they were bars. So, we, so I know it was about 20. Um, but they were, they were intense years. I mean, we, um, you know, the, the years, go, um, sort of building up to when we got our record deal and stuff, you know, we were, we were playing a ton. We were, um, practically a, the house band at CBGB's for at least a year with, um, in, uh, and you know, nine thirty club in DC and going to Philly and basically touring regionally, um, showcasing that kind of thing. So we, uh, we played a lot, you know, for, for a young band and, uh, one of the benefits of living where we did, you know, which was we could get in our van and, you know, come back, you know, from a show, say in Baltimore or Philly, and it wasn't super far, you know, um, even get to Boston. So, um, so we played a ton. And uh, I mean, I think our confidence just came from the fact that we, you know, had gotten together so young, we were so just focused from a pretty much right away. I mean, I, I think it really gelled in, probably our junior year of high school, we all just said, Hey, we're going to get real serious about this. I was, gonna, I'm going to try to write some songs. I'm going to write lyrics and melodies and we're going to, you know, make our own music. Cause we were, you know, when we were little kids, when we just started at 13, 14, we were just playing, you know, whatever the cool uh, mid eighties college rock of the day, like REM and U2 and the Smiths and stuff. So, um, but long story short, we did play a ton before anybody heard us, you know? Um, and I think that that, uh, that was really beneficial. Your parents must have been pretty cool to let you guys really just sort of follow that dream so young. They were really supportive. Um, not so much when I turned down, I guess, two full scholarships to school. Um, I didn't turn them down right away. I deferred them because we wanted to try to get a record deal and um, didn't want the band to break up. Everybody goes to school. So um, they were really supportive, except for really a couple months. They were like, are you sure, you know, you want to <laughs> do this band and i'm like yeah we're doing it you know and um thank god it worked out <laughs> where had you in, intended to go to school you know i think i was headed to dc at the um american university i thought i think that's where i would have ended up 
I really liked DC and I, I thought it was just an exciting kind of, it was off the cuff for me. I just didn't really, you know, um, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I had a couple options there and, um, and, but I, I'm pretty sure I would have wound up in DC. Tell me a little bit about the, the iconography that you choose, that you chose. I mean, really early on, um, as a writer, mm-hmm. uh, because that's been very consistent mm-hmm. throughout your work. How did mm-hmm. you know that your lyrical and thematic obsessions I mean, again, maybe I know the 10,000 hours yeah. from playing. I get that. But as a writer mm-hmm. and deciding on those things, where did that come from? Well, I always had an interest from an early age, 16, 17, in, um, in philosophies, all spiritual traditions, Buddhism, you know, uh, mystical Christianity. All these things were really uh, exciting for me. I was just, you know, fledgling through all these, this interest in all these things. Uh, that was a little different for uh than my friends, you know, yeah. uh, I was really passionate about it. And, um, and then it just coincided with, you know, here I'm, I'm in this band and I love to sing. And I guess my job is going to be to figure out what I'm going to sing about, you know, and, and it just, they just married together in a, in a way that um, was really powerful for me. And, and there, you know, I'd also, in a, in a sense, I felt like I had permission based on the, the people who, the artists that had inspired me to that point who were doing what I felt was a similar thing, which is like, um, you know, I mentioned you too, I mean, Peter Gabriel, uh, you know, and of course, early REM and all of REM really, but um, they were, they were lyricists and, and singers and writers that I not only loved the songs, but I wanted to know what they were saying. I, I, I wanted to know if I could glean any wisdom from it. So I would go in and, you know, delve into these guys. And so I guess really, I just, in those early days, just really wanted to emulate them. I wanted to see if I could do it, you know? Yeah, and like with REM and the Smiths, there's there was a sort of a subtlety and a sort of murmuring uh, kind of appeal. But with with your band, it was more, mm-hmm. um, you know, more declarative and louder and yeah. immediate. Yeah, totally. Um, and that just came from uh, God knows where. You know, it was just this. When <laughs> I get on stage, I was just uh, you know so uh, viscerally moved by this. You know idea of, of putting, you know, delving into these things and, and, and getting super into it and, and being real physical with it on stage. And we had this muscular, like you said, a fully formed sound by pretty much right away when we hit the national stage, um, we had developed at least enough to where we felt like we had our own thing. And so it was just this confidence, uh, having been together since we were kids that really all came together. And it's really, uh, like you said, declarative and really confident um, for our age, you know, and, and we had, we played a lot, but not obviously weren't a worldwide touring band yet, but we had it. We had this, uh, we had this thing and we were damn excited about it. Still are. I learned about Velvet Underground through REM. And so, you know, mm-hmm. they're one of those bands I never would have known about them had I not, you know, gotten dead letter office or, um, whatever. Right. But I hear, you know, I see you guys doing Venus and Furs and I think, you know, for guys of our yeah. generation, Velvet Underground probably sold more records in the '80s than they did in the '60s. Totally, I, I, I'm I'm a late summer to to Velvet Underground. I mean, and and well, I've always, I I met Lou Reed and I I loved his um loved his music and I loved his approach and I um but it it wasn't until I was about 40 that I went holy this is like my favorite band now but they've always been here but for some reason something clicked in me where it's like. I can't stop listening. Like I can't, you know, it was like, I became, I was a fan and then I became a real fan. Like even later, it's a trippy thing. It's happened to me a bunch of times with artists. Um, and, and I'll go like, I've always known about this, but 
I like it so much more now. It's it's weird. They're another one of those bands. It's like very subtle. You know, like um, I, I don't understand how Who Loves the Sun was never a number one single. There's so many. There are so many that are just like you. You, you can't. Yeah, you can't believe that. Of course, people know Sweet Jane and they know these songs, but they don't. You know, it, it's yeah. There's when you dig in, you start to go, holy crap. There's like so many great songs, and why the heck didn't I hear about these guys when I was when I in the '80s when I was? I never included them in my pantheon of what was inspiring me at the time and i knew about them but it was like i said it wasn't until about five or six seven years ago where i went like oh my god this is my favorite band of all time and what's yeah. funny is my third my now 14 year old she's loved velvet underground forever like she was buying velvet underground records i'm like oh that's super cool you're a cool kid you know hey wait a minute <laughs> i love this even more than ever too so maybe she inspired me it takes it, it's weird like it's it take a while for certain bands to detonate you know, like like you were saying, like then after like thirty years, you go, wait, I think I love this. <laughs> yes, it's like a depth charge. It's just like sitting down there, and all of a sudden it blows up. It's like, oh wow, I, I've always known that was there, but I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know I liked it this much. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And then there's other bands that I loved so much that I literally can't listen to anymore. I hate when that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I, we've been blessed with, uh, with especially with this comeback, is going like you know, because when you try to step out of yourself and take a take a uh, you know more objective look and you say okay because i know there's stuff there's stuff from the 90s that i go like i don't really need to hear that anymore um now it's like you go like well when we were especially when we were coming back right away like you know three years ago in the first couple shows there was that little tinge of like did people like really still want you know and it was overwhelming the the interest and the excitement for our reunion that we just thought okay people are still interested in this in a big way. Um, and I, I, I mean, I know that they have stayed really loyal through my solo career and all that stuff, but you know, it was, it was a unique moment because the band had gone away for seven years. And so there was that thing of like, okay, let's, let's go, you know, let's see. And um, it was an amazing feeling to see everybody come just so strong to us. It was awesome. Shiny, shiny, shiny boots of leather. Flash girl child in the dark Comes in bells, your servant don't forsake him Strike to mistress and kill his heart
Severin, speak so slightly. Severin, down on your bended knee. Taste the will in love not given lightly. Taste the will now plead for Uh, yo, I mean, as, as an artist and a creative, we're always worried because we're taking chances, you know. We've taken chances through our whole career with records like Secret Samadhi and going totally different directions and all that stuff. So there's always that little bit of like, what are they doing? Are they coming? <laughs> I remember reading an interview with, with uh, Motley Crue. And I think it was Motley Crue. And I think it was Vince Neil. said that to this day, still look at ticket counts and wonder if anybody's going to show up. Mm. Like they still have that feeling of like, with, like when they were kids, you know, going like, Okay, man, we're gonna just gonna work, you know, and it never leaves you. Maybe that's maybe that's an edge, you know. I don't know. Yeah, you always kind of doing that extra mile just to make sure you you know you're playing to somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was gonna say that I think that maybe that that edge, if if you can keep that installed, that it kind of keeps you a little more dynamic and alive. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, and again, when you're starting a band from scratch, like we did, you know, and coming out of York, Pennsylvania, with not really a scene and all that. I mean, we really it was a super DIY project from the get-go and um and uh, so I think there's that yeah that's still there in a way you know that 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 uh hunger to to make sure that it's just this much better or this much different you know so that we could you know turn people on I, I was wondering about yourself I mean in terms of we're talking about keeping that edge what about you creatively are you are you hard on yourself how do you continue to push yourself well it's interesting because creativity you know i, I it, it's such a weird thing because you have to, you have to want it, but you also have to relax into it. It can't, it's, it's not something that, you know, it's, it's, it's very ephemeral in the sense that you can't go, I'm going to sit, at least I can't, I'm going to be creative from noon till two today. You know, <laughs> I, 
to me, it's like it's a life lived, you know, and it has to. And so there's these there's all this is all this context for it that has to kind of get nurtured and then it can get messed with, you know, when things piss you off or whatever, you know. And so there's this constant kind of it's a very subtle, very personal thing to get into that space. And um, and I have to say that the creative um, juices have been just awesome since we got back together uh, three years ago. We started to write songs as soon as we got back together, which I was really surprised by because that's a pretty interesting thing to get into you know, writing right away and recording right away. And we just like, it was like, we picked the bike back up and just kept and just got right on it, which really surprised everybody. And then I'm, you know, I'm always writing now. I'm, I'm probably in a more prolific space at, at 47, almost 48 than I've ever been, um, at least in the last 10 years. And when you're creating and when you're writing for live or you're writing for yourself, those are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Those are clearly two different well, points. They, no, not necessarily. I mean, um, yeah, they, it depends. I mean, I, I, mostly I'm just coming up with things that inspire me. And then it's like, okay, well, what's on the horizon? Well, obviously five years ago, I was still solo. So it was solo music. And I, I don't have any you know, plans to go solo right now at the moment. I don't have a plan to put out a solo record at the moment. So yeah, everything yeah, it's kind of moved morphing towards live. I have another little bluesy thing that I'm doing on the side that, you know, I go like, okay, I don't think this is going to be live, but it's all a mishmash, you know, but it's all basically the same source so it's it's we'll see how they all how it ends up being released is really um its own bag you know i'm just always writing how have you changed in in the last 25 years are do you think you're easier to collaborate with are you more open to criticism like we're artistically how do you receive that stuff yeah much more much more i'm much more relaxed and um i think i learned that i think we all learned that the hard way with lives you know the break and the breakup is to just is to be more sensitive to each other's, you know, needs in that way. And, um, uh, so yeah, that's, it's going really well that in that, in that department. Um, lots, we've learned lots of lessons. Um, I think just getting older too, maturing is like, we're just we're more relaxed. You know, I watched the old, like <laughs> I sat down with Gavin to watch some videos, uh, for a thing we did for the summer tour and you know, the I alone video came up and the first thing that hit me was like, man, chill, you know, relax a little bit. Cause it's like just so intense for so long. And now I think we're just, we've, we still have that, that energy and we're still super excited about it, but we're having more fun um, than we've ever had, which is really awesome. Do you remember the intensity you're talking about? I mean, it was palpable and it was also incredibly yeah. appealing. Um, but right. do you look at it now and go, God, that makes me tired to think that I was carrying around <laughs> all that intensity. <laughs> it was a trip. Yeah. And I was, I mean, and we were, playing so much and all of these milestones in our career were coming fast and furious. And, um, and we were meeting them with this, like this intensity that was just like, you know, mind blowing now to look back on it and to look at the pace we kept and, and the, the output of um, really great shows and videos and all that over the say 10 years from 92 to early 2000s, you know, it's pretty incredible. Um, and um I, I don't think we're letting off the gas in a in a fundamental way these days. I just think we're more, we're just chiller people. You know, we're just like, you know, we're also, thank God, we have the gift of having an established band now that um, gives us a lot more freedom to, to say, okay, well, let's sign with a record company. Let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. And so that's a, that's a huge blessing that I think has allowed us to relax. Um, you know, we were making records every two years. We had, you know, deadlines. We had all this stuff after the breakup and now the reunion, we, we call our own shots in that way and, and having fun and enjoying each other is top priority. Number one. So 
we just try to organize everything in the business side and the recording side and all that to serve that aspect of what we feel is really the most important thing at this stage in our career, you know. Well, part of uh, being men of our age is uh, it's tiring. <laughs> uh, that intensity is is tiring. So it, it's funny because <laughs> I listen to the new stuff and I go, well, sonically, you guys sound more powerful than ever. But it's nice mm-hmm. to hear that you that you can also sort of you know downshift into being a normal guy when you need to. Absolutely, it's yeah. You know, we all families now, you know, and that's it's, that's its own you know growth and and um, joy in that that really grounds you and and you i can tell that we all have grown up a lot um and like i, I keep telling everybody i was like you know live i feel like in some ways all that's serving to make us even better it's it's, it's a powerful sound right now we have a slightly different lineup with uh zach loyal on guitar and and a, and a percussionist and drummer um named robin ds we have six guys on stage and there's this again confidence and and um joy in our faces and in the music it really translates in the fans are flipping out i mean i just they can hear they can feel it you know how we're how much fun we're having it's also it's also nice to be able to step back in and find that the audience is there plus new people yes yes and that has been the coolest thing and we've had so many opportunities this came like i said so many came in right away to play these amazing festivals get out in front of all these new different people or people that knew about the band but hadn't checked in for a while or were absolutely brand new fans um you know, all of the people that we've been working with to, to generate those things and the interest itself has been a real blessing. Um, played with so many incredible bands over the last few years. I lose count. It's awesome. Well, you know, it's, I was talking to Marty Wilson Piper of the church and, and we were talking a little about his mm-hmm. career and he, you know, he left the church, but those guys didn't grow up together. And so with, with you guys, it was especially heartbreaking because you guys really grew up together. And so it's not just like a band yeah. breaking up. It's like friendships. That's that's heavy stuff. We're like brothers. Yeah, it was like family. It was brothers. I mean, we I've known Chad Taylor since kindergarten. We lived half a mile from each other. You know, we were in grade school. So um, we learned to play guitar together. You know, we were 12, 13 years old. I mean, out of a freaking magazine. You know, I mean, was, yeah, bands. Like ours are pretty rare in terms of how long um, we've been together and and uh, the depth of that relationship and um, it's pretty special that we got it back together because uh, and I think that's that's why it feels so good because it's like we salvaged something that was really important to everybody. I'm curious about this because I, as a writer, I, I've had people point out to me that I, I'm far far wiser in my writing than I am in my real life. Um, <laughs> do you do you I feel can, that, I can like, to that? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. My kids would agree. They have no idea. They watch me on stage. They're like, who's that dude? Like, it's like, that's not happy dad. That's not the dad that, you know, runs around the backyard with uh, laser tag guns. <laughs> but hey. Yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. As as a creative person, uh, you find that in your milieu, when you're, when you're singing, when you're writing songs, that's like your superpower. And then normal life is just normal uh-huh. life. Absolutely. It, you know, um, it's it, it is a trip, and, and kids really bring that into a pretty a good relief. <laughs> the uh, the uh, AB there, you know, going from uh, doing this intense rock show to you know chasing my five year old son around backstage, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's it's great though. <laughs> do Do you think the danger of getting a lot of attention really young is that people don't know how to distinguish the two from each other? Yeah, I, I think that. Well, I, I think what happens is too there's a uh, a tendency in every, you know, performance art like this or movies or actors and 
position is to, you know, be sort of, sort of typecasted immediately from what, if it's, especially if it's a really strong performance, say, okay, well, this guy's a great villain. Live's a great serious band. You know, there's like, and then there's a part of you that goes like, okay, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm so happy that that part of me landed and that people really appreciate that. But I'm like, all this other stuff, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've got all these other interests. I'm into this whole other type of music that I didn't get to really, you know, make a record like that yet or whatever. And then kind of try to, and people go, nope, get back it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go back in your lane. You're, you're the serious guy. You're not about to do that. You know? And so that's frustrating. I think that happens, like you said, when it's, when it's uh, successful that early on, um, it becomes a kind of, uh, it, 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 it becomes a little bit of a limitation. I mean, you're grateful for it, but at the same time, there's a part of these parts of you that want to try the things and all, and you go, you always kind of, um, you know, they get back at, you know, that lane correction kicks in, you know, from outside yourself. Hey, get back, you know. Um, but I think that now that we're um, in this in the position that we are as, in our career now, um, we feel freer to to do more and to experiment and to break open, you know, get outside the box. And so that's that's really exciting um, because then that's just the blessing of having the band established and 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 a, and a benefit and equity of all the and all the work that we did together for so many years touring for so much. Did that feeling you were put in a box, did that make you kind of go, well, we should keep being the serious guys and not do anything with any kind of whimsy? Yeah, there, there was a lot of pressure to do that. There was a lot of pressure to like, again, to stay, to stay in that category, if you would, um, which was more an effect of the business side of things. And that I, I rubbed up against that pretty heavy, um, you know, for years. And, um, you know, we ended up doing records like, you know, songs from black mountain which was more acoustic based and songs like heaven which you know were um more uplifting and less of the um you know intensity in the music um that one actually ended up being a really popular song but i remember even when i wrote that it was like dude you're not allowed to write about you know being happy with the family like that's not rock and roll i'm like i don't care I, i'm it's what i feel so put it out you know and it ended up being a hit so i was able to kind of go <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, told you so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've heard you do I Walk the Line, now you're doing Venus and Furs. I mean, there's definitely a side to you that people may not know is there. Right. We And we've been like, you know, Chad Taylor from the very early on was super into the blues. I'm a late bloomer to the blues, you know, like in terms of the last five years getting really, man, not even five, three years, and super into early Delta blues. And, and we're like, man, I want to make some songs like this. And now we go like, you know what, let's go ahead and do it. You know, we can we can do whatever we want now. I mean, it's a, again, a blessing of being an established band and, and again, uh, from all the hard work that we did to, to be there. And our fans are, they're like, go for it. You know, um, we, we put out, um, I don't know, we didn't put, we put it out, but we, we, we were online, uh, you know, in socials and stuff. We went to Sun studios and recorded a Jimmy Reed song, which is like totally, you know, this laid back chill blues song and totally different than anything we've done before. And the fans were like, yeah, man, they, they're just so, so great. They were just, really supportive and like, Hey man, why don't you guys do this, do an EP of this stuff, you know? So it feels awesome. Well, I know you have to go, but I have to ask you, and I apologize for being redundant with everybody else, but will there be a new album? Cause it sure looks like it's headed that way. It is. And we did the EP local 717 late last year in the fall that came out. We have a ton of other stuff that's laying around in various states of completion. Um, now we have this tour with Bush coming up. So um, I, I'm, we're definitely going to be in the studio towards the end of this year and, finish up some stuff and uh no definitely new music coming from live uh totally we have a great studio and uh we'll be in it (laughs) 
Well, I'm, I'm happy you're back. I love the new EP, and I've wanted to talk to you for a long time, so it's a pleasure to have a chat with you. It's really awesome. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, buddy. I know a game of laser tag with Ed Kowalczyk sounds kind of whimsical and fun, but uh, I'm willing to bet it's still going to have a little bit of intensity to it. <laughs> How could it not? You're, uh, you're playing laser tag with Ed, and uh, I'll bet it gets serious. I'll bet he doesn't want to lose to you. Speaking of losing, don't lose out on your chance to see live this summer on tour. Uh, for all dates, please go to freaksforlive.com. That's freaks, the number four live.com okay all right my website alexgreenonline.com you can follow me on twitter at embers editor you can also follow me on instagram at embers podcast or if you're old-fashioned you know like jane austen you can email me at editor at stereoembersmagazine.com i don't know why i said jane austen but uh the the art of email seems so genteel in these instagram days sometimes just getting an email feels a little bit like a throwback I find it refreshing. So do drop me a line. Maybe you want me to book somebody on the show who hasn't been on. Maybe you want me to bring somebody back. Put your request in, and I will work as hard as I can to make all of your dreams come true. Well, maybe not all of them, but that one. Okay? All right. You know what you can do for me? Go to iTunes and subscribe to Stereo Embers, the podcast. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. Five stars if you got them. We would appreciate it. Also, subscribe to Bombshell Radio since you're going to be there doing all that subscribey kind of stuff. All right, enough of the business end of things. Let's get to the music. Let's close things off with a brand new song from Live. This is Love Lounge. Enjoy it. And I will see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Once upon a time in deja vu lane, I kissed you on the lips and sent you away. Then I fell into the hole inside my heart Now you're back and everything is lovely I find this hour like eternity But there's just one more thing I've got to show you, baby Instead.